forever. Eternity. You don't need people anymore. Nothing you can do about it. Content. Nothing you can do. Content will be mashed up, cut up, repackaged for someone else's need. And the world's largest media company <laughs> creates no content. Yeah, we're not producing the content. Um, we're allowing users to, to share. I hereby declare this to be an unlawful assembly. I want to know what they're talking about amongst themselves. And I want to spread that content to the people who aren't this content yet. It's normal for some things to come to your attention. And we're back for another episode of Are We Content? Where I'm your host. They call me Mr. X indeed, but you can call me Chud. And with me as always is the wonderful Moral Bob. But tonight we have a second guest. We have Drew Misson from all the way over in Australia. With his podcast, You're Missing the Point. Excellent name, I must say. <laughs> uh, Thanks, we're we're going to get into some cool stuff, but first, uh, how are we doing tonight? Or this morning there, Drew? I'm good, mate. I've got up, had my shower, had my coffee. I'm settled in. I'm ready to get into some uh, some good topics here. Really That's enjoy great. the show. Love these conversations. Oh, awesome. Love to hear that. Uh, and you're on vacation right now too. Is that right? Is I that am, why? mate. I'm on my last week of spring holidays before we go back for the final term of the year. Got it. That's great. That's, uh, cause yeah, you're, you're all, you're all backwards from us over there. You're, you're approaching your summer season as we're approaching winter. Me and Bob were talking before we were recording that it's, we've both had some kind of stormy weather and in, in our territories, it's things are definitely changing over here. Yeah, but, yeah, same thing's happening here, man. Start to dry out, looking like it's mm-hmm. going to be a very, very dangerous fire season, unfortunately. I'm sure they're using that term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, yeah. we, we heard that so much this year here uh, as we were approaching our summer, uh, just constantly. And there's been some fires, don't, don't doubt it. But, well, actually, you can doubt it all you want because I haven't seen any of them myself. <laughs> <laughs> But we've had some smoke or smoke smelling substance in the air. That's for sure. But it hasn't been, it's been worse in recent years for sure. All right. Well, so tonight I want to talk about technology. I want to talk about cell phones, technology, AI, all these, all these fun things. Um, A lot of it has been spawned because I read an article in a magazine, an analog magazine, mind you, came in the mail. (laughs) Uh, which is kind of a, it's a throwaway thing. It's um, it's uh, reminiscent of my past and I still hang on to it. It is not a very, we'll say awake magazine. It's a Canadian horror publication called Rue Morgue. And it's their um, I received their uh, Halloween double issue this, this month, this week. And it's all about AI and the horrors of AI what I found very quickly reading most of the articles in it, um, everyone embraces technology very much so that's that's involved with it. Um, they interview people like Gerard Johnstone, who uh, made the movie uh, Megan. Uh, did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen it, but it's it looks crazy. It is crazy. I, I saw it right away. And it, it preyed upon all of my fears of technology (laughs) and it did a great job it was it was absolutely terrifying film as far as i could tell um but it uh it a lot of the people who are talking in this in this magazine are talking about technophobia and 
basically they're all suggesting that it's a stupid fear, that it's a pointless fear and that we need to embrace the future as it comes towards us. Uh, twice in it, different people at different times compare it to two other things. The first time it is done, they say that we need to get used to it because it's it's part of our culture, the same way the fear of nuclear war and climate change is. And that they said, this little, said those words that those words that's from the editor's note at the beginning. Wow. And I was like, huh, little red flag goes off and I go, you know, I don't really believe in either of those things. Hmm. <laughs> and then I'm reading farther and that Gerard Johnstone, I believe it was, uh, made a similar comparison. And he said that it's, you know, it's here to stay. It's just like nuclear war and pandemics. And I was like, huh, again, nuclear war and something else that I don't necessarily <laughs> believe in. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it really got my head kind of in a spin because I'm kind of a technophobe. I don't own a cell phone. I mean, I own a cell phone. I have a flip phone. I don't have a smartphone. And it would be really easy, really, really easy to just label myself as a technophobe from that, that factor alone. However, I very much so embrace technology. Uh, right now I'm podcasting. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I'm looking at people through a, <laughs> a screen on a computer. I'm talking to people from the Pacific Northwest. I'm in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm talking to people in Texas and Australia. Yeah, I'm, I'm embracing some technology here big time. But deeper than that, as an anarcho-capitalist, um, they're coming from an anarcho-capitalist background, rather. Uh, I've spent a lot of time defending technology essentially replacing jobs uh but we but when i look at it in the past i've always talked about older technologies um uh, murray rothbard had a great essay titled the window knockers you guys familiar with that term or that article by any chance yeah uh window knockers were a uh a, was a type of employment in london pr prior to the household clock. They were people who would have a list of, of times and windows that they would go around to with a long stick and knock on the windows to wake people up on an alarm clock of sorts. Really? And you can see all kinds of articles that existed at the time of the, of the, the advancement of the technology of clocks to become smaller and alarm clocks more specifically to be able to be in everyone's homes. And people said, we can't allow this technology to get out there. It's what will the window knockers do? It was like a decent percentage of employment at the time. It, uh, it, it was going to put everyone out of a job, so it seemed. And, you know, all these years later, we can look back and we can go, what happened to the window knockers? Well, I'll tell you what happened. They all got other jobs. And there were plenty of other jobs. There were plenty of other things. This was something that I thought about a lot as... Um, self-checkout at grocery stores were happening um you know even more recently with uh fast food restaurants having um uh, uh like a, a touch screen to be able to order from uh these this technology is replacing these people's jobs and you hear people like andrew yang would uh would would say that this is this is horrible and we need to stop that and i'd be like no no we don't need to stop it because if people aren't checking groceries there are plenty of other jobs there's plenty of other things to do and if I look at technology on an even broader scale than just that, I am pro shovel. 
shovel is a form of technology. I can totally imagine that at the time that shovels were starting to become a commonplace uh, tool in people's hands, there were people saying, no, 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 we can't do this. Digging holes with our hands is what we are as humans. <laughs> it connects us to the ground. If you want a well, you need to work for it, motherfucker. <laughs> you can't just get this thing and dig that thing in a, in a you know, month <laughs> or however long it would take. Because, you know, that, that change was, was an absolute advancement in technology that we should embrace because shovels are great. Same with the forklift. We could say the same thing with the forklift. You know, uh, I'm pro forklift. Even though it took away a lot of jobs, it used to take uh, 10 men an hour to unload a truck. Now they do it in 30 seconds with one man. You know, these are all these are all great things. Uh, but one thing that I do see with all these technologies going all the way up to the smartphone is once you've used the technology, it's really hard to go back, like really hard. Once you have the shovel, the idea of leaving that shovel in your tool shed, going and digging with your hands, spending way longer time digging that hole because you think it's in quotes the right thing to do for one reason or another it doesn't seem right um and drew a lot of this all came to i listened to uh the monday night master debaters that you were on last week and uh it was a great episode by the way you did a great job uh it was with the uh the gear gear dorks you guys talked a lot about um, about uh, weapons and, and uh, gun culture and things like that. But there was a moment where you were talking about cell phones and you said something that really resonated with me about um, the idea of you or us, people our age, putting away our smartphones and how that would be difficult. But we could do it because we have we have a background in not having a phone, whereas someone who's younger, especially in the years to come in another 10 years from now. There's going to be a lot of people who haven't lived a day without that smart device in their hand, right? And that sounds like it would be darn near impossible to set that thing down. And in fact, if it stopped working one day, it might make everyone go crazy and kill each other or something. Um, now, I don't, as I said before, I don't have a smartphone. I have a major advantage to be able to not have a smartphone, and that is, I've never had a smartphone. I've never used one. Uh, you know, uh, Lanny has has a couple devices, like an iPod Touch and uh, an iPad. And uh, I do lean on her a little bit for like quick look up of things. I don't have to go down to the basement, fire up the old desktop and and look something up. You know, something can be real quick like that. But it's it's very minimal the way it reaches out to me. But I also realize that like you 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 both have smartphones, right? I, I don't yeah. even have to ask. I, I, just, I know like everyone does, right? And Get a look about us. Can you tell us <laughs> by looking at us? Yeah, you look human in 2023. Yeah, we have, we have Therefore, that, you, you, that you, smartphone glaze over our eyes. <laughs> when, I, when I see a homeless person in 2023, I assume they have a smartphone. You know, everyone's got one of these things, right? They all got this thing down in their pants that they're constantly taking out and rubbing in public, there's rubbing that thing that they pulled out of their pants and they're just rubbing on it a whole bunch. Uh, gives them, gives them enlightenment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, with all of that said, you know, I also, uh, again, for myself in technology, I, I was an early adapter of the internet. I had the internet in my home in 1994, uh, which is pretty early. Wow. My dad is a tech yeah. guy. 
my dad uh, worked on computers back in the '60s in Chicago. You know, he's they, he he was all about it. We had the dial-up modem and all that kind of stuff. I was mm-hmm. pretty pretty into it. I I thought it was great. Um, but specifically on the smartphone thing, and specifically on going backwards with technology, it um, you know, I don't. I honestly, I don't know where I stand with all of it because part of me wants to stand on top of a rock and scream at everyone break your phones <laughs> throw them away they're evil they're bad they're blah 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 so okay again i've never had one this is one more key component to, to what i'm laying out and then i want you guys to talk for a while um me not having one wasn't because i was taking some kind of stand saying oh, i don't I don't embrace the technology. It was kind of a matter of that. My flip phone was still working, still worked great. My, uh, my MP3 player still worked great. Um, I, my, my laptop at the time, now I have a desktop. They work great. You know, I didn't, I didn't really need them. This made it all the way that attitude and that situation led all the way to the beginning of 2020. And then there started being a term out there called contact tracers. You guys remember that? which was which was they were going to use phones to track who does and doesn't have covid and all this kind of stuff and it was um i'll say extremely frightening this is where the technophobe in me does start popping out the surveillance aspects starts popping out but by that 2020 time i said you know what i'm never going to carry one of these tracking devices i'm I'm just not going to do it and it's been fine I haven't, I haven't experienced any real problems since then um, or before that. Uh, but if I hadn't made, if I, if, if two weeks before the two weeks to flatten the curve had ever been mentioned, if my phone had got run over by a car and I needed to go get a new one, I might've just gotten the smartphone. Might've been like, yeah, then I don't have to carry an MP3 player. And that's the only thing I'm not going to use it for the internet. I'm not going to use it for social media. I'll just use it for my music. It'll just be easier. And I, I would be, just like everyone else by this point, you know, three years later, I would have, I'd, I'd probably be podcasting through it. You know, I'd probably be doing all the things that I ever used tech. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't have bought a new desktop a couple of years ago, you know? So. Well, and that's, you know, you said that it's hard to go backwards, but if you don't have the thing, then it's not as big of a deal. Um, I think that is the fear they give us. Like we gave up, our microwave probably over a year ago we said all right we're not using that shit anymore we're not like even quick stuff that it's just you know you just need to melt a little chocolate or butter or something you know and you don't want it to be this 10 minute process um but honestly it was a really simple transition like we just get so comfortable in our laziness that we don't realize that doing the quote harder thing really isn't that much harder. It's really not like we've just gotten really fucking lazy is what it's come down to. That's what a lot of it is. I mean, like, as you're saying that I can think of just example after example, uh, a remote for a television set, you mm-hmm. know, it used to be no big deal to get up and change the channel. And then once you kid. had the remote, the kid would get up and do it. Yeah, or you make your kid do it. Somebody walking by, like, "Hey, can you yeah. change channel for me real quick?" You would, you, you just <laughs> deal with it. 
you just and if no one else was there, you'd go change it. And it was just the way it was. But once that remote was there, there was no going back. <laughs> you know, right. the, once the remote was there, if the remote got slipped between the couch cushions and you couldn't find it, it's like you wouldn't watch TV until you find that remote, because I'm not getting up. And especially you got 300 channels now. That's a long time of going up and changing the channel. You know, right. <laughs> when you've got five channels, it's easy to just just, OK, what's on? All right. Well, mash, I guess, again. The irony of being sitting here listening to what you guys have been putting out and, and presenting, like I've been using a pencil this whole time. This pencil is technology. I've been taking notes. If it wasn't 100%. for this, I'd be having to keep that in my mind, keep track of the conversation, or at very least carving it onto a rock wall. <laughs> um, right. so there's two ideas that I, I, I think about. So there's um, technophobia, which is like the fear of technology and wanting to distance oneself from it. And then there's a term I'm coining called technosexuals, which are people who are so invested in technology, (laughs) there's no other option for them. They're they're so invested that they can't stop pulling that thing out from their pants and rubbing it. (laughs) Exactly. In public, especially. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mostly. (laughs) Yes, mostly. (laughs) So there's these technosexuals at the other extreme polar end. And I think for the most part, the majority of people, I would hope, sit somewhere in the middle. But I wrote down a few philosophical questions as we were talking about this. Use versus need, need versus want, and efficiency versus easy. At Ooh. what point do we does one overcome the other and, and what point of it does that drive our decision making? The, like the uses you were talking about, Chud, um, the use of a shovel. A shovel is a far better use and more efficient time than using your hands. It's a great piece of technology. Then we get into efficiency versus easier, just like Bob just mentioned with the microwave. God, it's easier to chuck something in and put it on for three minutes than it is to prepare it and cook it on a stove for 20 minutes. So we're looking at what makes life easier versus uh, do you actually need to do that? Is if right. you had a gun to your head, do you have to do it? Yeah, convenience is killing us. Yeah. And that's where I think technology's kind of slipped into things and convenience has outweighed actual need. Is there an actual need for a forklift? Technically, no, but the efficiency output of it makes industry life much better. You don't need those 30 guys in a chain gang passing things down into the workshop. You do it once, it's right. done. So these are the, the it's, it's a broader philosophical question that we actually have to ask about technology. Technology is great, but it's, is it the need, the use, and um, the efficiency of it that we have to kind of question? Well, yeah. well, here's here's my problem with the entire thing, right? Like as we've progressed and things have gotten quote unquote easier, it's easier to make goods, it's easier to do all of this. The price has not seen a relative drop. It's only gotten more expensive and, but yet it's gotten easier and easier and easier to create the product. You know, if you bought a sweater that was handmade in the fifties, you know, theoretically that should have been percentage wise to your income, relative income, I guess, if you want to adjust for inflation, Um, you know, let's say a sweater cost 50 bucks. Now, when that same exact quality sweater and everything can be cranked out by a machine and you can make hundreds, if not thousands of them an hour, that same exact sweater, same materials, everything, 
should cost significantly less. It should be a $5 sweater, not right. a $50 sweater. Right. But now that's a $100 sweater. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. So we've we've succumbed to the technology while not getting the cost benefit on the back end. Like there's supposed to be this trade-off. It's called creative destruction, right? Like through all time, there is creative destruction where the existing technology gets superseded by something else. You can, you know, the, the VCR maker got replaced by the DVD maker, you know, the, the pen and paper got replaced by the typewriter, you know, the printing, the actual press, you know, got turned into something else. And it was, it, that's always whether it's a pencil, a shovel, you know, the microwave, you name it, we're in this constant progression forward. But I think where the term technophobe would lead at least my mind to to wander is technology taking over, where it's no longer a tool, right? It's an apparatus that operates on its own. That's where technology gets sketchy. When, when we're yeah, when we're yeah. just allowing it. And there's a phrase I tell people all the time. People have probably heard it and they're sick of fucking hearing it, but I want you to repeat it to all your friends too. Just, we spend too much time wondering if we can do something and not enough time wondering whether we should. And it's just like, can we do this? Sure, let's do it. And it's like, man, that's not always the case. The shovel was obviously a good invention, as was the backhoe, but is... AI, like full-blown, automated, you know, self-advancing programming, is that something we really need? Like, I give that a hard no. <laughs> hard no. It's the, it's a cost-benefit analysis as well, and people always go to cost-benefit analysis being dollars and cents, but it's, I think it's more than that in society. Right. Like Chad mentioned at the start, when you go to your checkout chick, the young girl, the young guy that's scanning your items at the app, um, a, at a, a shopping center where you're buying your food, your groceries. Some people like the idea of just scanning your own stuff, getting in, getting out. Okay, that, that's some people. I myself, on the other hand, I think there's a social benefit from having conversations and interactions with other people who work at the grocery store or your local supermarket or your, your corner store. You're having little small incidental conversations and interactions with people from your community, which I think value adds to society. When you remove the human from it and it becomes very isolated, self-centered, you're taking away the benefits that society can do on a whole. Like you're just limiting, all I would say is limiting the potential of um, human interactions in society. Right. Because yeah, those um those interactions are important. I think we all know that. We all especially know that post twenty twenty when they started trying to take those interactions away. They tried to start. They started trying to keep us six feet apart. Which uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of uh, thought that goes into where our human resonance moves to, and a lot of people come to the conclusion that it's a six foot radius that goes around us. So keeping people six feet away doesn't allow us to properly interact with other humans and who knows what the long-term effects of that are. Granted, we're not really going to see the long-term effects from, I'll say this round of COVID that we just went through because it only lasted, what do we say as it's 
in quotes, all said and done now, you know, it lasted a year and a half that people were actually social distancing or so. Uh, I know there's still a few people out there who are, I suppose, doing that, but you know, for the most part, the, the big dots on the floor at the stores that would tell you where to stand and which direction to walk and all those things to avoid human contact that all kind of went away after, after a year, it started disappearing. And by a year and a half, it was gone. We're three plus years past that now. And, you know, there, some stores still have those, but nobody's paying attention. Uh, so we, we, I think kind of overcame that as a, as a whole, but those, like I said, those dots are still there. So they're ready to pull this again. You know, if they pull it again, everyone knows the procedure. They know how to stay away from people and being able to do that, not just in the physical sense of a store, but also for schooling, for certain types of work and for general social interactions. All of this is it is not possible. COVID and all those measures weren't possible without technology. They weren't possible without Zoom. They weren't possible without our ability to be in contact with other people through technology as opposed to being in person. Todd, I was having a conversation with someone on my podcast about this exact level of technology that if they tried COVID in the late 80s or the early 90s, they wouldn't have been able to get away with it. Even though technology was still around then, the level of it wouldn't have given them the infrastructure or the ability to put in the the social and societal measures that they wanted. No, well, kids would have been to stay home from school and they would have been playing outside all day. Exactly. Stay, which wouldn't yeah. have done the trick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they've been trying to implement it. Or another theory is that it's all planned and this is a pre-ordained uh you know, incremental drive towards something. And this was their plan the whole time. This is exact. They're on, they're on track. If they like, do this five more times they... in the next 10 years, people will just be, just do it all the time. It's easier sure. just to do it all the time. I mean, I mean, look back at, at in 1918, the Spanish flu or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, with polio and all of that, they've, they've been pushing, they've been ringing this freaking bell for a long time. And they've been either figuring out how far their net has to be you know if they are just kind of flying it by the seat of their pants which i don't know that they are um they've just been slowly marching to where they are trying to get to trying to advance the technology to where it is now so Mm -hmm. they could they could get everybody and that's i mean the great ted kaczynski warned us about this shit absolutely you know he he said dude technology is going to get to a point where it controls everything and that's not good it gets to a point where you can't look back and that's what i was talking about and that's where your philosophical questions you were asking come in drew too is like like i think uh any advancement of technology is is at its base it's a good thing except we always need to be able to take that step back as well the shovel a great thing but what if things didn't move about the way they did and there were only shovels produced for two years and then whatever that technology, we'll just say that technology was lost. It'd sure be a bummer if in those two years, everyone forgot how to dig with their hands and rocks and sticks and the, and the, and the gifts that are given to us in nature. Um, you know, and now if we lost the shovel, if we lost the ability to, to 
if they just disappeared. Because if we lost the ability to make them, there'd be shovels for a lifetime <laughs> for everyone. They all exist. I find them buried on my property from time to time, and they've been buried for a long time, and they're still usable. <laughs> you know, Not to mention, we have the knowledge of the technology, so we would maybe be looking for rocks that we can make shaped more like a shovel to be able to increase our efficiency. You know, it would, it's, it's permeated us so much. And I, I, you know, what I'm saying is all good stuff, right? You know, um, our, that enhanced us, that technology, even if we went backwards, we would be better off than we were before. Well, as I'm saying that, then I'm like, well, we might've had ways of digging with our hands, sticks and stones that we just can't fathom today. Then if we were talking to the soil, what if we yes. didn't need tools? Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, we can, we can get into that. Well, you know, see something else that comes with all of this uh, that, that I've thought about in recent days with all of this is, um, you know, when I talk about the shovel being technology, uh, like I was talking about it with a younger guy and he was like, wow, I've never considered a shovel to be technology before. That's, that's amazing. And I said, yeah, well, you've heard me say before that the pyramids couldn't have been built the way they were. They must have had some technology that we don't understand at that time to have built them. And, you know, just in case you were always picturing computers and smartphones as that technology, I'm not necessarily talking electricity at all, although I might be. Uh, but, uh, but instead, just ways of doing, approaching math and um approaching physics might have been approached at just such a different such a different angle that we can't even begin we we're so arrogant in our standing today that we're advanced we're the most advanced we've ever been how could they have been more advanced in any other direction the only other thing that we can imagine is that they were as advanced or more advanced than we are today they had ai running everything back then <laughs> and well, something made it fall apart well, high what? technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's the saying that right. has Boom. been used for so long. Yes. But I'm going to give you guys an example of what something that almost made me a complete technophobe and made me want to go full Ted Kaczynski, run out into the bush and start a hut. I saw a four-year-old, which was like a, who was a younger sibling to a student. They stepped into a classroom and their parent handed them a book. And you could tell just by the get-go, this is the first time a child's ever held a book. And the parent opened a page for them and the child sat there and tried to do the zoom enhance on the page, then got frustrated because the picture wouldn't change. Didn't know how to turn a page because they were swiping mm-hmm. and the pages weren't moving across and the child got frustrated. Wow. So there's that level That's, of understanding I, uh, technology. <laughs> You're making yeah, my right? head explode, Drew. <laughs> exactly. So this, this child is born into a time where they're so used to tablets or ipads whatever the device would be they don't even know how to interact with what would be archaic technology at this point of a yeah. book and it's so new it's also fresh yeah. for it to be there you know okay think about this just for i brought up the pyramids cleopatra i don't i'm not i'm not good with my with my with my years do do either of you know when she was alive or they say she was alive it was um, like uh 200 bc yeah, she was she was like born like three thousand years after the building of the pyramids. She's alive closer to the invention of the Apple iPhone than the building of the pyramids. That's, that's exactly what I was going to get at. So, if if she was closer to what we have today, and we've come here since since then, we'll say, you know, think about what could have gone in the back direction. You know, things that 
things that as they were replaced with new thing, with new technologies, with new interest, with new uh, culture, it just became so irrelevant that it's completely forgotten by not just not just the individual child who doesn't know how to look at a book, but by the by her great great grandchildren. The, those great great grandchildren they don't even know that a book could be something that you read about in in, in on a history tablet <laughs> i was gonna say right. in a history book <laughs> well and we we that's that's kind of my one of my problems with us you know not at least taking a moment and pondering whether or not we should do something is that we're not even appreciating what got us where we are right we, we're standing on the shoulders of giants and not not realizing how we got to where we are and so we don't appreciate how far we had come and so we just advance right past it you know i think one of the greatest times in modern history is between the 50s and the 70s i think everything was amazing at that time you know you didn't have a ton of programming indoctrination sure it was still there but it wasn't near as bad you know it was technology was was at a right pace so you could still have a hot rod right like you still have a cool truck or a car or something you know music was decent you know that was like just perfect in my opinion but we and that was you know that was as we were incrementally moving towards where we're at um, you know, we still had a lot of the old, the old technology was still firsthand knowledge at that time. And the old technology maybe being like in Lanny's department, uh, pres preserving food or in, in my department of growing food, um, you know, raising animals, you know, uh, something I've thought about before is like, if you think about history as we're told it is, uh, in 18, I don't know, in the 19th century, late 19th century, the worst, you know, horrible piece of shit bank robber asshole who fucked everyone over and was a drunk and was a piece of shit, like in those old cowboy times. That guy was amazing with animals. That guy rode horses all the time. That guy, criminals at that time were cattle rustlers, right? They would, they would move herds of cattle. <laughs> they, they, had, they had a connection to the earth and to animals un unlike what anybody has today practically and and even maybe anyone today because even a large uh cattle ranch today they're not you know they're driving around in trucks and on four wheelers and you know doing all these they're they're doing it from a very they're not they're not as in tune with their animals as they were back then and i think that's that's something to be kind of taken aback by you know that when you know nobody practically is in tune with animals these days but yet we all used to be we used to ev everyone from the from the housewife to the child to the criminal to the farmer obviously the farmer uh, but also the banker <laughs> you know the banker rode a horse to work they all had a barn and, and the other side of that is he has a barn at home and he feeds his horse and he pro procures the the hay to feed the horse you know all, all of these things um and those people wouldn't, they wouldn't know how to look forward to something else. There was nothing wrong with any of that. But as soon as they, as soon as people were driving in a car, as soon as you drove in a car, as soon as you had a tractor, 
to pull your to pull your farm implements how the hell do you go back <laughs> you know and it's, it's, like, it's like what bob bob said though as well like that that 20 to 30 year time period roughly that that we kind of look back as being like the peak time to be alive there was a great balance of life um technology wasn't too advanced but it was enough to make things um easy enough and it made things uh more efficient but you have to think of it, were people in those times in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, were they yearning for a time when technology was simpler? Were they thinking of, God, I wish I was back in the old West just riding horses and shoeing horses and looking after cattle. Now I'm in this suburban little um, apartment complex or in this white picket fence house. Yes, it's mine. It's my own, but I wish I was on some land. Like, do, do we just naturally as humans yearn for the technology of the past compared to what we've got or another way to look at that as i'm thinking about that time period uh people saw the convenience of living on a postage stamp lot and not having acres to take care of so that then they could just work a nine to five job bury their head in the sand and allow the world to march on around them and you know not having to not having to ride your horse home and having to then board your horse and uh you know keep all all of the aspects that go along with having a horse not having to deal with that that's that's pretty convenient you know um even the idea of sanitation like clean water mm -hmm. and plumbing that that expanded the human living um lifespan by decades, arguably, like you could say whether, you know, humans could naturally live through that anyway, but people definitely saw the benefit of not walking through the streets and alleyways through knee high human excrement. <laughs> At one point, human cities were like that. And with the advent of technology, not only did it make life easier, it made life more healthy and more sustainable in a lot of ways. Uh, and with another aspect of, of roads, um, like that too, instead of having, you know, aside from feces and things, just having muddy roads to, to pull things through, you know, having paved roads, bricked roads and later paved roads, you know, I mean, that must've been once you drove on a paved road, you didn't want to go back. <laughs> once you were driving on paved roads, you wanted to pave your driveway, you know, even that short, short little piece there. It's like you, it's, it's so superior. Um, and when you're, and when you're driving, whether you're driving a vehicle or a horse and buggy, you know, it's, it's, it kind of seems, it seems counterintuitive to in any way say that we should go backwards from that. Am I right? Mm. Was yeah, somebody he... that lives on a, on a dirt road, I would take dirt roads over paved roads any day of the week. My wife and I actually had that discussion the other day when we're driving down this small road that was obviously dirt at one point in time but then they paved it but they didn't grade it they didn't do anything and it was like it was a really shitty bumpy road and it's just like you know if this was just your regular dirt caliche type road then in order to fix all of these holes you just drag a freaking box blade or something over the top of it and smooth it all out you know it's it's pavement now and in order to fix these holes, you have to cut a section out. You have to fix what's underneath it. And then you have to lay down, you know, road base. And then you have to put, you know, then you have to reconstruct the actual road surface. It's like this and they're going to measure process. out the efficiency of all that. And it might come down to cutting those sections out and redoing sections isn't worth it. So we just tear up the whole thing. 
and we redo right. the whole thing. And we'll do that every 50 years if we need to, as opposed well, to just dragging something down it every now and again, yeah. keeping it keeping it now, somewhat level. Dude, they're repaving roads that didn't need to be repaved all around where I'm at. And it's crazy. And I'm like, man, something's coming. I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it all with black asphalt. They're not actually like fixing anything. They're doing basically the same thing as what I said with the dirt road and just putting pavement over the top of it. They're just smearing asphalt over the top of all this bullshit for some reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, you know, quote unquote, an advancement that is just gotten out of control. It's one of those just runaway things. If it's, I mean, if there's not some deeper agenda, right? They've at least realized that they can, they can just do it with this stuff, repave it every five, 10 years, have an excuse to gather a bunch of money from the taxpayers and, you know, move on. And they do it so simply. I mean, the big machines that do all of the work now, you know, when you had to redo a road, Back in the day, you had shovels and, you know, things like that. Now it's all machinery and there's, you know, 50 dudes and 10 of them are only are, are working and the, the other 40 are standing around. Smoke can, I can I present an idea of the danger of convenience to the both of you and get your ideas on this? Yeah, yeah. I love it. So we've seen convenience take over some of the just most common things people would do. People would walk down to their corner shop and they'd buy their groceries, they'd walk home. The advent of the car made that easier. We drive there, we put our groceries in, we go home. Now we have home deliveries of groceries. So we're not even leaving our houses. That's got an impact on our waistline. Like we're not getting sure. as much physical exercise. Then there's the idea of convenience of international travel. It used to be you jump on a boat, you'd be on a boat for three or four months, and then you get to your destination. We had the airplane. So you're traveling anywhere from 15 to 20 plus hours on a plane to get to another country. If you look at what would they present in science fiction, say like um, Stargate or a Star Trek, they've got like teleporters. At what point, let's just say in, in this fantastical future, teleporters exist. Do you think people would waste their time walking out of the house down the street to someone's house or would they instantly teleport there or would they instantly teleport to another part of the world? I'm because sure there'd, the be a core, there. there'd be a core group of people that would say no. I don't do it because I like physical exercise. I see what's happening to our waistlines. I see the the lack of muscle on our young men today, you know, things like that. There, I'm sure there would be resistors, essentially. At least if this was today, if it just popped up today. But if we incrementally right. get there, if we incrementally get there to where, you know, like right now we're, we're walking out to our car and we're driving our car. Eventually that becomes a self-driving car. We're not driving the car. We just sit in this little box. Um, and, but we still have to keep our hands on the steering wheel just in case. And eventually it gets so good that we don't keep our, we don't even have a steering wheel in there. You know, it's just a little box. You don't even own a car. I don't know. We don't need to go with that specifically, but you know, it's, it's a self-driving mechanism that gets you there. Um, and then we start approaching more towards, towards the teleportation with some other steps that I can't really fathom in between. Then it's like, People are going to say, no, I don't want to go back to having a steering wheel when these things work well. Uh, people are going to say, I don't want to go back to having to press the gas and actually use the steering wheel when they're working well. Um, you know, there's the, the majority of people are going to go with that convenience again and again, especially incrementally, which you could even argue it has to be incrementally if if 
you believe that this technology is all organically being um, invented and and built. You know, it's you, you make an advancement, you put it out to market, people use it, and then while they're using it, they're working on the next thing to make it to make it easier. That would work its way all the way up to the teleporter. There's a good chance by the time we actually have a teleporter, no one will remember what cars were, let alone horses, let alone using your feet to get around. We're all in these uh, these little hover chairs like that movie uh, Wally. You know, <laughs> so we, exact we, thing. we have a hover chair that goes into that a box that takes us someplace. And now we don't have to do that anymore. We just take our hover chair over to a, a corner of the of the living room. And then suddenly I can be in Australia and hang out with with my buddy Drew. You know, uh, yeah, I'm going to take that 100 times over having to, uh, to all the all the work that it would take to travel today to get to Australia. That sounds that sounds horrible having to, to do all that work to get there going to the corner of my room and and transporting myself there instantly especially if it's instantly and my body comes back in the same shape that shows up there in the same shape that it is here my head doesn't come on backwards like it does on <laughs> mel brooks and the uh, amazing movie space balls <laughs> you guys seen that that's yeah oh yeah great, great film <laughs> forget it forget it i'm walking and then he walks through the door it was the next room over after yep. teleporting multiple times um so if we think, I think about it this... would get to that point too right like of course it would so you know teleporting... who was it oh go ahead who was it that said um i feared maybe it was einstein i fear a time where technology advances so much that all we had our all we're left with is a a nation a society of idiots or something like that mm -hmm. i think it was einstein i'd have to look it up but prime example there Prime example, I have a 66 Falcon and I had a work colleague jump in and have a look at it. And the first thing they asked was, does it have air conditioning? And I said, yeah. yeah, of course it does. And I wound down the window. <laughs> yeah. They, that's, there's just, uh, and this is a younger person, they're in their early 20s, but they have no conceptual understanding of technology that's only 57 years old. In the grand scheme of things, not a huge difference in time. So and what happens a over a hundred years? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The Ted Kaczynski idea is becoming more and more palatable. Um, so I want to address something that kind of passed by earlier when we were talking about the fifties to seventies and did people imagine a future? Like, did they imagine what's next to want that when they were, when they were happy with what they had? Star Trek might've played into that. Or, you know, Star Trek and the umbrella that all science fiction-y kind of stuff plays into. Uh, did anybody think they needed to be able to talk on a phone while seeing the other person before Star Trek? I doubt it. But it was this cultural, it was, cultural it was, priming. Yeah, it was this fantastic Dick Tracy idea. had it on a watch. Oh, did yeah, he? Okay, yeah. I so, watched. I mean, there's there's going to be examples, you know, here and there. And there's also, I mean, we got the, the, the telescreens in 1984, you yep. know, there's, um, you know, the, the idea wasn't totally foreign, but it started creeping in through pop culture at a more extreme rate. I would imagine Star Trek started what in 68, 69, something like that. Yeah. People started seeing that kind of stuff. Star Wars was, was, you know, another decade later, we started seeing all these things. The teleporting was in these things all these really fantastical ideas 
when I was a little less awake and I would, uh, would consider technology, I thought, yeah, Star Trek was great because it put ideas into the minds of people like Bill Gates and uh, other other people who are tech giants. And that made that's probably why we have the iPhone today, because they were watching that when they were kids or when they were young and then college age or whatever, whatever it would be. And they were like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that happen. I'm working with these computers. Those are computers on there. They're on different levels but i'm gonna try and work to make the computer what we see in star trek um and that kind of made sense to me for a long time now i think there might be more nefarious aspects behind it and that the technology maybe has been there longer and maybe the star trek people were even seeing something that exists or dick tracy people were seeing things that existed uh in in either times of past or in underground military bases, you know, uh, and other places that technology could be advanced. However, this also plays into all of this is I, and I've said it on here and many other places before, I flip back and forth a lot, a lot. I'm a major flip flopper on the, how advanced technology really is. Sometimes I think, yeah, whatever we see, they're 40 to 60 years advanced over us. When we got the, they had the iPhone 60 years before we, we ever saw it. Right. And I can get into that. And a lot of people agree with that really quickly, especially normal people. They, oh yeah. Yeah. The military's way more advanced at whatever you're seeing. They had Roombas way back in the day that were vacuuming houses, you know, <laughs> or vacuuming uh, deep underground military bases. Um, but then, you know, there's another side of me that wonders, does any of this technology exist? Uh, is anything more advanced than what we see? I, if I were to follow that line of thinking, when I think about the moon landing, if I believe the moon landing, would I believe that they were capable of going to the moon 60 years before they went to the moon? Well, I don't think they went, right. the, I don't think they went in 1969. So I think they're lying to us about the advance, at least in 1969, they were lying to us about the advancement of the technology. And that, but now technology is pretty advanced. I mean, we're dealing with AI and things, but like I said, I'm reading that magazine and they compare it to three different things, two different authors compare it to three different things that I don't necessarily believe. And that's pandemics, climate change and nuclear war. And I know not believing in those things can be controversial. I hope it's not too controversial with you two. That's why I like having conversations like this with open-minded people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a very healthy thing for us to question whether or not those three things exist at all, let alone do they have the implications that they say they do. Like nuclear war is mentioned in both of those and nuclear nukes on their own like I can believe that there's explosions that are really big that they've, that they've even detonated. And, but I think that they're not as big as they make us believe. I think that there's a huge, a whole lot of, of things that are afoot about the footage of the old test, the nuclear tests. I mean, that you can punch holes in that all day if you, if you care to, uh, 
and um i the car that disappears between frames yeah yeah exactly There's some sketchy shit there is isn't for there? sure well and chad sorry for interrupting chad i'm just no, i want to go ahead. on with what you were saying that is it an end or situation where like people instantly go to the military industrial complex governments they're 50 to 60 years in advance of what we've got does it necessarily have to be that far ahead could it only be 10 years ahead because we we've seen in our own lifetimes how quickly technology evolved in a short period of time we went from our analog little nokia phones to iphones or essentially smartphones within the space of 10 years so are they only 10 or maybe maximum 20 years ahead of what we've got and they're just drip feeding the technology for financial reasons and giving us the plebs the little advancements as they see fit is it something as simple as that well it could be even more simple it could be that they're only six months ahead of us that they 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 develop the iphone we'll just say the iphone as a as a as a whole uh, this thing that sits in your hand that you can have video internet access and all these things. And it's all through the military for six months. And they see that that's a testing ground. Hey, it works. We're communicating. We're doing this. Let's see if people will buy it for, uh, you know, $7,000 and they put a few out for $7,000 a pop and people buy them and they love them and they tell everyone. So then they bring that price down to a thousand dollars. And then I've got a name for this theory, Chad. I'm sorry. You just blew my mind. Do it. Just in time technology. Mm. Instead there of just in time delivery systems, just in time technology. They're only just ahead of the curve enough uh-huh. to keep it look, look like it's proceeding at a fast rate. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that's what a lot of people would like to think, even though they might say they believe that they're advanced. I'm thinking like normie people, people who aren't really thinking about this stuff, but if they're questioned about it, you know, they, they, they'd rather not think that their government's hiding advanced technology from them especially as we get into this 2023 type ai and surveillance state kind of stuff um but that's also that's why minds like mine go crazy at this point that they don't want us to know that we're that we're being surveilled you know patriot act in the united states in uh 2002 or three um that was that was a, a document that said that we have the right to spy on all of you and all the Republicans, that was a, a George W. Bush deal. And all the Republicans said, yeah, we need to embrace this because if you, if you, if you have something to hide, then you, then there's something wrong with you. You know, you shouldn't be hiding anything. What crimes are you committing that you would be afraid of being surveilled? And it's funny how the conservatives and liberals have really, really shifted positions on these types of things. Um, but that was different time. We were afraid of terrorists at that time. We're now afraid of invisible viruses. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know where, where I'm going exactly with that. Um, but we we definitely, um, no, I don't know. Where, where are you thinking, Drew? It's one of these conversations that you can just go, for lack of a better word, damn multiple rabbit holes or you can speculate about certain things because we're seeing it in our own lifetimes we're seeing the growth of technology whether we think that's super advanced growth or whether that's being drip fed growth we're seeing it and in comparison to other times in history i think we are legitimately seeing the growth in technology happening faster than what supposedly we see in our history books 
mm-hmm. for at least a hundred thousand years, the majority of technology really didn't change. We had the Stone Age, we had the Bronze Age, we had the Iron Age, and then from there things kind of exploded. We had the Industrial Revolution and those types of things where things really went up. It's, they really climbed that that ladder. Yeah, but we're how going much up do we steeper? Bl- we're going at a steeper rate now than we were during the Industrial Revolution. I think would be yeah. You could very you could almost argue it. it's vertical at this point. It's not an angle yeah. at all. It's straight up. Right. Right. And then within that, we're at the point now where we have AI. Uh, my gut instinct is AI is real bad. It's a real bad thing. But that's a kind of a gut instinct. Um, what What is truly the harm with AI if we're not talking Skynet? Or are we talking? Or is that the fear? Is Skynet, uh, Terminator, the idea of sentient technology? Uh, because otherwise, like ChatGPT, like we're all supposed to fear it we're not all supposed to fear it we're all supposed to embrace it right but people in our community are all fearing it and i'm i'm one of them but at the same time sometimes i think about that and i go well is it really anything more than just an advanced search engine is it i mean it's really it's not that different than google it's just google being applied in a different way it's just pulling from a whole bunch of information that already is out there and it's spewing it back to you in a different way. And yeah, it's bad if, you, if you're like me and you believe that uh, controllers are controlling it so that when you ask ChatGPT about the history of taxation, uh, you might get something a little different than what one of us would tell you if we were telling the history of, of taxation. Um, so it's like, but, but at the same time, if we all know well, it, that, it's not that big a deal, right? Well, it, it's kind of the argument of technology in general, right? It comes back to use. Any technology has a use for good and a use for, for evil, essentially. Look, look at what the military does with technology. They take something that has one intended use and they weaponize it. You can take a butter knife. It's great for, for spreading butter across my, my toast in the morning, but at the end of the day, it's still a knife. I could use it to kill someone if I really tried. Like I'd be there for a while hacking because it's blunt, essentially, but I could still use it for that. The same thing kind of happens with AI. You look at the way AI is being used now for digital art, for, for writing essays in university, um, people using it to change the lyrics to songs and have, say, Kenny Rogers singing um, Get Down With A Sickness, like funny interactive stuff. But we always go to the point of, this thing could become sentient. It could access tactical nuclear warheads or it could turn off the um, uh, the traffic light systems and cause major, major havoc because it has the potential to do so. Whereas, you know, most of the time it's probably going to sit in the middle. And in the middle between those two extremes is that, you know, someone uses AI to um, grift people or uses AI to gather information about someone to try and um, blackmail them for money. There's, there's levels of great use and a negative use in all technology. I think AI is that next big thing. It's uh, something I think of when you do the butter knife analogy too, is the more accepting of that butter knife not being a weapon, the easier of it is to use it as a weapon towards someone. If you don't realize that any could, could ever use it as a weapon and you wouldn't resist them in any way, even though they're holding your eye open and slowly pushing that thing towards your eye. You know, you could just jam that all the way through a person's 
skull through that soft, soft spot. If someone wasn't realizing that that's something that they should, that, they, that it could even be used for that. It never fathomed them. So they're not afraid of you or the knife or any of that, even though it's like you said, you'd have to hack at someone for a long time since it's not a sharp knife, but you know, just about, just about anything you can put your hands on can be a weapon, <laughs> you know, on, on some level or another. And the more trusting people are of the person wielding that weapon, the easier it is for that to be used negatively against them. Yeah, you have to, anytime a new technology is brought to market or whatever you want to call it, somebody should always think of a worst case scenario with that technology. Like, mm -hmm. what if? Like, you know, there's a lot of what ifs that should happen. Um, I, I'm personally, my strongest theory is that the people that rule this place have had all the technology that we've ever seen forever. They've always had it. They always will have it. Um, and I think we only advance so far before shit just resets. Um, maybe. That's at least the, the strongest theory. Um, but, you know, they're, they're using DARPA and things like that to supposedly to research and advance these technologies so they can use it for the worst case scenario and then they trickle it to us with those better case scenarios attached to it right like so it i think a lot of it is developed for the bad thing but then they just they said get us to go along with it using the good thing yeah so like what if we entertain for a second that uh ai is not capable of doing anything like um you know, nuclear warheads are fake, you know, like it can't, or even if they were real, there wouldn't be a way for a computer thinking on its own to be able to access that. And, you know, we, we, we took good measures to make sure that there's a severance there that a human has to do this with analog hands-on process or something like that. If, um, if AI wasn't capable of taking over robots that could then kill us, or gun turrets that could then kill us, which would be like a robot, you know, um, that it's, it's severed from all of these things. Um, then AI's worst weapon that it would be, would be making cheap predictions, which would be um, all the sales tactics, our data collecting, uh, Amazon, knowing that you're pregnant before you're pregnant, that kind of, that kind of stuff. And we can see that it's bad, but it's also... It's not the worst thing, you know, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily endangering us for it to be making cheap predictions and being a advanced search search engine essentially. But yet they get us into all these places, especially with sci-fi movies, especially with all that stuff in this magazine that I was talking about earlier, you know, the, all the, all the fearful movies that are coming out that are all based around technology. Um, but they get us all scared of this. But really, it's a fairly benign thing that's here because DARPA is actually developing the real weapons that they are going to use against us. But we're but they but they cloud all of our minds. Us conspiracy nuts. We're too busy fighting AI, which is not something to fight. It's not even something, let alone something to fight. You know, we're we're out in the streets 
you know, ringing bells and telling people, Hey, listen, you got to put down your phones. You got to put down the AI. You got to not, not partake. It's the only way we'll stop this. But even if we don't stop it, that there's nothing bad would come of it. And the whole time we're doing that, we're not noticing that they're developing super weapons, biological weapons that are real diseases that could really wipe us out or real explosives that could, that they can, or, or, or uh, high energy weapons that they're going to float up in the sky on balloons and, and just straight up burn us. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to, they're going to burn us out of house and home, but we're not busy. We're not looking at that. We're busy looking at this AI. What do you guys think of that? Is it being, it, basically I'm saying that <sighs> it could be a big distraction. It could be. I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to combine both yours and Bob's in this way that I've kind of been tiptoeing around this idea around what AI could possibly be. Like you said, Chad, it's just an operating system. Essentially, it's like a Google search engine that people are actively developing, growing by inputting data into it. Like every time someone goes into a shopping online store, they're inputting data into AI. Every time they use chat GPT, inputting data. We're helping this, this unofficial search engine entity grow. Are we unintentionally going to give it consciousness and then you take away the idea of just because it's conscious doesn't mean it can access physical, tangible um, military sites and weapons. What if we give it so much intelligence, so much consciousness, it transcends the the AI realm and becomes its own God. Okay. Now that's some scary shit. Well, what if that <laughs> right? is what God is? Yeah. Well, sure. That, is, if, a, that is a possibility. What if that's already God? Yeah, what you know, what I, if what if God is from from this happening in the in this same realm? Well, it's like billions a, of years ago. Billions. We were right. talking with old scary last week, where I said, you know, what if we had already gotten to such an advanced state that um, AI destroyed humans, and then they had to recreate us as some nostalgic or like some try to try to make up? They realized destroying humans was not the right thing to do um and they've recreated us and now that's why but they've recreated us in a simulation and that's what that's what i use to back up simulation theory is like what if ai already took control and it's just creating this as some simulation to try to um you know make a up for what they did or or some nostalgic reach because ai is always trying to be human right like that's what we're always sold in all these movies is that ai wants to be human ai is not okay being ai it wants to be human and if it wants to be human to a point it could destroy us and then create this entire world where it gets to be human or it gets to be still what it is but it can think of itself as the human right mm kind of a concept yeah because uh another another aspect that i do see for it being negative without it going sentient and all of that is also just driving us crazy just uh-huh. absolutely fucking with the human minds so much that we don't because like we're seeing it a little bit remember remember there was a time where you could say a photograph was was evidence of anything at all because <laughs> that's not the case anymore photograph doesn't mean shit anymore a new photograph or an old photograph 
photograph even video now video now is starting to go that way it's noticeably fake but it's getting better each year Mm -hmm. like you see the deep fakes and things that are going on that's done through ai Mm -hmm. and how much are completely generated without having to put a face on someone else's i think we're getting to the point where the ai photographs are going to be the ai videos of tomorrow yeah it's uh, it's true. My my son was watching a video on YouTube the other day and I looked at it. I said, I bet this isn't real. I think this is AI. He's like, oh, no, it's not. I've seen other videos on this channel. I took the remote and I started pausing. None of their hands were right. They all had missing or extra fingers, oh, uh, particularly thumbs. There were a lot of thumbs that were just missing. And, you know, he was like, oh, well, they could just be like holding their thumb in such a way that you can't see it. But then we see the next one and there's there's five fingers and no thumb. And he was like, oh, and sure enough, like we went to the the the, the creator's description and said, making movies with A.I., making shorts with A.I. Yep. He had no idea. He didn't yeah. know to think that. In fact, he thought I was a little crazy when I started. saying. <laughs> well, this yep. is the horrifying thing. People are noticing this in mainstream media now with world leaders. People are focusing on, because we we know about it now that the, the hands are a dead giveaway. People are noticing discrepancies in hands of world leaders presenting important information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where we get to like, you want to talk about a negative from even this benign version of it that I'm talking about <laughs> when we don't, when we don't know who our leaders are anymore, when you don't know who your father is because you're talking to someone on a screen while you're out and about and that may or may not be your father you know as a as a as a child as like i'm thinking of my son like what if he was talking to he thought it was me but it's not well this has been happening right. with phone calls chud there's been people who are getting scammed by having their voices on the internet we're prime targets for this because we produce podcasts mm-hmm. our our vocal um cadence and everything is online there's a group of hackers out there that are taking people's recordings of their voices They are getting their contact numbers via companies that take your information and sell it on, like your big box stores. They're buying people's phone numbers, contacting their parents, and in the AI voice of their child are saying, I'm being held captive. They're going to kill me unless you transfer $10,000 to this account. Mm -hmm. And it sounds exactly indiscernible from their child's voice. That's exactly what I was saying, except in reverse, the child. What if I don't think, what if I think I'm talking to my kid? but I'm not, you know, and that's where, I don't know if you want to add in a really disgusting element, you could think about how pedophile might use this. You could think about how on multiple levels, like, you know, using, using it to extort money from someone. Yeah. That's horrible. That there are even worse things that could be going on with it. And then you also look at the world leader aspect. If we can, if, if everybody sees a video with uh, Donald Trump doing a, a Heil Hitler and uh, saying Zeke Heil um, and every and, and it's thought to be real by everyone, you know, that could really affect things <laughs> that could really affect how like not I'm not even talking about the leadership aspect that could affect how people interact with each other at work the next day to the point of violence even. You know, it's we're not too far away from punching Nazi in the face. Right. So if you're up there and you're saying, oh, I don't think Donald Trump really did that. You know, maybe you're going to get punched in the face and someone feels perfectly fine about that because they saw the video. They saw it with their own two eyes. 
He was he was a straight up Nazi. They but they explored this very topic on Seth Green's knockoff Star Trek series. I can't um the Orwell. Okay. And there's this alien planet that's um very dictatorial, but they're going through the uh, they're through an election cycle. And they find out that there's a an event where government troops come out and shoot all these protesters in this big, horrible genocide. And they find out that it's all AI generated, but it works enough to swing the election. And as soon as that episode dropped, there were so many people within our community who questioned whether January 6th actually happened or whether it was an AI generated event. Like the future, that could very well be a possibility. Like what's to say that mass shootings or people that die in a car crash that are presented on the news are actually real events. We physically haven't seen it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Or, or ask people what if, what if Chaz was on? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Might not what, have been. What, what if, what if protests weren't real? What if, you know, I mean, the, the what ifs on that can go on forever. All events that you see, on on the news especially the mainstream news what if any one of those was to not be real or not even necessarily of the past but to the future you know and those and those things can absolutely sway the way person wakes up in the morning and the way they treat the humans around them and certainly the way they vote and things like that too but you know just on a on a personal level it's going to affect people and if it affects them negatively that's real bad. I mean, even if it's affecting them positively, if they're being affected by things that aren't real, that they think are real, that's pretty fucked up. Uh, it doesn't get my, I've, doesn't I've get my stamp of the approval. Whole, I've questioned the whole Maui thing. Like, how do we even know that's actually going on? Hey, I, I, told, to I, told, you I, my, I told you my story there, Bob, off air, that I have a friend that moved to Maui six months ago or so. And yep. she happened to be here at my homestead the day after those fires broke out. And we didn't know what, you know, people weren't really talking about it yet. But I said, Hey, how are things there? She said, Oh, they're fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm 20 miles away from where the fire is. Like I heard that my favorite restaurant burned down was what she had to say. She wasn't worried about getting home. She wasn't worried about, and she, and her partner's there, you know, like she was not, she was not that concerned. That's all I know. Yeah, crazy. Sounds a little like stories we'll hear of people who know people in Ukraine. You know, and they say everything's fine. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, did did things go down the way we think they did in Maui? I don't know. I think everyone that's listening should ask themselves, how many people do you know that are or were in Maui at the time of this or since? Well, but- it's like the quote from one of our favorite movies, the reality of which we accept as well, the one that we're presented with. Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. And that's, that, uh... that's, that is media in a nutshell. Um, Australian media got caught out this week with our, we've got this referendum coming up, whether it's a yes vote or a no vote for recognition of Aboriginal people in our constitution. The media was caught out using one of the no protest crowds and they crudely photoshopped in yes over all the signs and cruelly photoshopped extra people in to make it look like it was a bigger protest. And people have ran it through AI algorithms to detect whether it's Photoshop happening in it, and it's full of it. Mm-hmm. That's something as small as that, like to push a political idea. How do we know these big, horrible events, like like you said, Chad, before we started this, bushfires. How do we know that bushfires from Canada were real. The only evidence you've got is a little bit of smoke or a little bit of particulates in the air that are blowing over your part of the world. Well, that mm-hmm. necessarily doesn't have to be a fire. That could be something sprayed in the sky in the middle of the night. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah, I want to say with a, with with a very firm belief no there were fires i experienced them because of these effects but i didn't see any flames i didn't feel any heat well really didn't feel any heat we had we had a fire nearby here recently and kaylee and i were actually driving in that area and stumbled across what had to be at least part of that fire and it for sure looked like direct energy weapon stuff I mean, there was a there was a barn right in the middle of this burnt out area. The barn was perfect. Look, looked like it got built yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like it was perfect. The ground wasn't scorched, but the trees were scorched all the way to the ground, and just the ground around it was scorched. Like, like there's something. So that one, I mean, that one, I I actually went and drove through that area. So I was like, oh fuck. Like, okay, there was a big-ass fire over here. It's not what we were told, but, you know, there was something to it. Now, was all the smoke that we got part of it? Who knows? You know, I. it could have been smoke from something else. Could have been added stuff to make it seem worse than it was because they said it was like 4,000 acres. And what we drove by was not, it was maybe a few hundred acres in this area. Um, but I don't know how about far back it went, but well, now if we pull this back while, while being right there, if we pull this back to AI and we don't look at it as the benign thing that I was, I was describing earlier and it does have access to the real existing direct energy weapons, right? Like we say, those are real. And we say AI has the ability to access them. And AI is doing just as it was programmed to do, which is to make the right decision at all times and move in the direction it does. And it makes its way to harp and it realizes that something's wrong in California. So it decides to take out California, you know, because, because of a series of questions that it's asked or, you know, just, you know, whatever that it, it mathematically, um, it just decided it, it decides, Oh efficient. no. Cause yeah. we understand what the population should be. And we see the most efficient way to, to bring down the population in the United States is to take out this region. We need to take out LA. We need to take out this area. And it's, great. and it's just doing its job. <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, I know. Right. We can all dream. Right. right? <laughs> In that uh, case, I'm full on. Let's go. You you got me convinced, Chud. AI's <laughs> AI AI's got it made. Um, well, in the past couple of weeks, Chud, we might have actually seen the nigglings of AI potentially tiptoeing and trying to activate weapon systems. The F-35 that disappeared and air quotes crashed. A lot of people don't realize is that modern aircraft require a certain level of AI for the human operators to fly these things. Humans don't have the, the cranial and the cognitive capacity to operate these craft at such high speeds. It's impossible. We went from prop planes, which we could, into these. Even the F-18 had a level of AI technology behind it to assist the pilots. Okay. So essentially, this F-35 ejected the pilot. The AI supposedly ejected the pilot and then continued to fly on to an undisclosed destination. Now, the mainstream story behind this is that the pilot ejected because of bad weather. One of the best trained military tacticians in the world for an F-35 ejected because of bad weather. 
because he figured he was safer in the weather without the exactly. metal canister around him. You go further with that, the entire squadron of F-35s across all of the United States was grounded until they figured out what the problem was. That tells me it was either a hardware or software issue, potentially AI interacting, or it was hacked from an outside source. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's all. Oh, man, that is fascinating. I haven't heard anything about that. It's um, That's something that should give us all pause and think about. Well, because, that's the thing with this AI shit is that it opens it for people to hack, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, you know, you have to be, you know, this, if, if AI is a thing, it has to be open source. Um, and then that, that means it can be controlled by anybody that can get a hold of it. Sure. Yeah. You, you have to think about that too. Someone believes that it's AI, but it's actually a human. You know, uh, someone decides to, um, like in this magazine that I brought up again at the very beginning, they have a couple of questions in here for the open IA of Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. And they ask her questions about technology and it's really stupid, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, uh, you know, something that didn't pass through my head when I was reading that was, well, what if it's just Bill Gates? (laughs) or someone sitting on the other side who's like oh i'm gonna fuck with these people (laughs) they think they think that i'm an accumulation of all of the information we have of mary shelley which wouldn't be that much by the way it would just be her books right (laughs) you know we don't have a ton of writing from her it's not like or if there are you know other people but you don't you don't hear about her journals a whole lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't know much about her right. personality. Um, it, there is something interesting in there about Mary Shelley, though, that uh, is totally off topic. But you guys might find interesting, which they talk about a particular issue of Frankenstein, the novel, uh, where she did a preface for it, where she was um, praising Darwin, not Charles Darwin but his father or grandfather estrus i think was his name uh and that he in the fight to 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 um discover evolution uh had re reanimated vermicelli <laughs> which they go down a little thing about how uh vermicelli used to just mean worm not necessarily the little pasta pieces or whatever right right but I, I spent uh, 10 minutes researching this on my own, and it does seem that uh, her uh, that Charles Darwin's grandfather was all about trying to reanimate the dead. He was trying to bring things back to life. And that's what led to Charles Darwin and his and all of his stuff. So well, we lost necromancer. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I just thought Very. that was what what a weird little connection. And she states that as his his work is what inspired her story of Frankenstein. That's actually more horrifying than the Frankenstein story. I know, right? Because essentially (laughs) that lineage of family has set up the entire basis of the scientific model that mainstream people use today. Yeah, and if you go back two more generations, it was about reanimating the dead. It's all necromancy. Modern day science is based on necromancy. I'm going to tell everyone that now. Yeah, I think you you can go straight (laughs) forward with that. But yeah, uh, back to to it, you know... um, 
I didn't ever entertain the idea that some human could be controlling that. And should we be considering that with, with all of these things? Uh, the, I think the only reason we wouldn't is because it's so damn quick, right? I say, tell me what man economy and state by Murray Rothbard is all about in two paragraphs. And it's there. And uh, I mean, I haven't actually tried that. I've used that as an example of who knows what you would get, because how do you distill a 900 page book into two paragraphs? And what would they choose to leave out? <laughs> you know, what what would and wouldn't be important in that? Um, so it's like, but beyond that, I mean, what if we have quick, what if we have quick typers and thinkers who are interacting? I, you, you sh we should keep it open. We should keep thinking about that. Because it might not be what we're what we're sold. Right. It might very well be, but it might not be. Well, and we're always sold these giant boogeymen, right? Like we're we're sold these huge things, so we'll accept something smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're always tricking us with something. And so AI may just be the trick to um to be okay with just the slightly less advancement of the surveillance state you know and so then it's just we're okay with this incremental push forward instead of this big jump mm -hmm. right and that's what they well, do with everything or maybe they're making us focus on technology so that the, the elites of the world really can live forever maybe they're developing real flesh organic means to live 100 200 years and we're all focused on ai's being an issue but we yeah. can have some sycophant that lives for 200 years and, and rule with an iron fist that's far worse i think there's a right. good chance that that's at the root of all of this just as necromancy seems to be at the root of all evolution as i've recently discovered uh <laughs> that i think there are elites out there who are uh attempting for immortality and i think that if the if technology is advanced over what we see it's because that's what they're trying to do I think if we're getting a trickle down of things like AI, it's because they're trying to figure out how to keep our brain working even after as, as Mary Shelley, we can ask Mary Shelley questions now, right? Why don't you be able to, why can't you ask me questions when I'm dead? Right? Because I'm, I'm putting all these podcasts out. We'll have all these thousands of hours of my thoughts all put out there. If uh, AI can, can do that, you know, so is that just a step that maybe they even scrapped? They scrapped it. They said, oh, yeah, all this does is just rehash things that you'd already thought. We want to be able to produce new thoughts. We want to make sentient uh, minds that exist in a microchip so that we can die and know that our brain continues on. Know that we'll still keep thinking these thoughts. Know that, more importantly, if these are the elites, we'll still be able to control the world long after we're dead. Because I think that... Uh, I think that's that's maybe been the goal of the elites for time immemorial. Well, well on that note, gentlemen, do... what do you think? Should we should we wrap up? Yeah, I'm sure, getting man. my axe yeah, ready. We're... I'm going to go out to the bush and build a hut right now. I think it's yeah. a good idea. I think we should all take a look backwards and see how we can get a little closer to the way we used to be. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't I don't like the direction we're going. I'm I'm about ready for my cabin in the woods myself. I, I think if I put one more final thought in here, it's that that being able to look back and be able to move backwards from our technology that we're on. If we look at things, we should all consider the idea that we might wake up tomorrow and we no longer have our technology. 
our 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 electronic technology. Let me be more specific. Um, there might not be internet. There might not be power tomorrow. That's I think a distinct possibility. And if you haven't looked backwards at all on how you can function without those things, you might be fucked. And that would suck. And I don't want anybody to be fucked. I want everybody. I want, I think anybody who survives a thing like that is a good person because they, they worked at it and they, and they did something right. And I think everybody who can't handle that, that that's because they chose, they chose their path and we all have the option. We don't, doesn't mean put your cell phone down. It means figure out what you would do if you didn't have it. Right. Yeah. It's the, uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think in ahead, a world, Jim. I think in a world that we're surrounded by, say, digital electronic-based technology, it pays to be a technophobe opposed to a technosexual. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Te technophobe preferable to the technosexual, but you got to be in somewhere in the middle, <laughs> realistically. <laughs> I so uh, when I first got buy, into buy techno. When I first got into podcasting, a term that I would use, I talked a lot about homesteading and stuff. And a term I would use a lot was LARPing. And I used it in a, it sounds like a negative thing, but I'd say it positively that we're all LARPing right now because we can go to the grocery store. But at some point I might not be able to go to the grocery store. And I want to take as much time to LARP now when, if everything fails, I can, I have a backup. Right. And you know, it maybe LARPing a little bit without a phone could be good. And you don't even have to actually put it down. Just entertain the idea of what you would do were it to not work tomorrow, were it to be bricked. If everyone's phone was bricked tomorrow, how will you react? What will you do that day? I know if it were to be not just phones, but all power, if we didn't have any electricity tomorrow, you know what I'd be excited for? Seeing the sky. I want to see the sky at night without any lights on. Whew. Oh, I bet we see something different than we've ever seen. Oh, man. There's so much light pollution around me. There's these big power hub station shits around me in almost every direction. And I get like a halo of glow around where we're at. Other than that, it's pretty dark and I get to see more than I would in the city, but still not what it would be. I see the glow of, of Vancouver, BC every night it it's worse the, the cloudier it is because the clouds light up right but when it's when this when the when the clouds are up high it gets a little better but all right let's call it it let's call it a night guys or a, or a morning it's probably afternoon now you into the noon time <laughs> it's ready for me to go and get some lunch there you go there you sandwich go. up i'm done all right well it's dark out here i'm gonna close up the chickens and call it a night Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for going through this conversation with me. It's something that it was, I, I really wanted to have you guys on as the Conspiracy Theater 3000 guys and talk about movies. But this subject just really consumed me this week and I needed to, I needed some therapy. I needed to get it out. And I feel a lot better talking to you guys for a while. So thank you for joining Hell me on yeah, this. Man. We'll do the Conspiracy Theater 3000 one another time. We're always doing that stuff. So yes, and yes. that's always an option. All right. All right. Oh, do you want to you want to plug anything there, Drew? That, yeah, just you're missing the point podcast. You can find me on the usual podcatchers. 
Um, I'm on Twitter and I'm also on Instagram. Um, heavily shadow banned, heavily search banned. If you find me, you are one of the lucky few. And I'll put some links in the show notes here. One other question for the two of you, since we mentioned conspiracy theater. Uh, do you guys have your own uh, RSS feed for that? Mm-hmm. Or is that, do I got to find it through, through the other ones? I need to subscribe to that actual RSS feed. I haven't done that. I find myself looking for your episodes and finding them usually posted by yourselves later (laughs) so all right well guys you have a good afternoon drew you have a good night bob and i bid you adieu later fellas see you guys enjoy feel like we're here you can see that we uh we can really feel like we're here i was looking through and there was this firefly that was going all around the room and i held out my finger and the firefly landed on my finger we can really feel like we're here and the crazy thing was but I felt it. Is he okay? No, no, I think he's having a seizure. You can get the feeling that you're really in a place. You can get the feeling that he's not allowed to move. He's not moving. You're recording. Yeah, no, I mean, this street is Maybe. completely flooded. Yeah. Can, you, can you guys see this behind me? I mean, this is... Hi, Mom. I and mean, this is what it's it looks cra- like. It's crazy there. to feel like you're in the middle of it. The crazy thing was... We can really feel like we're here. just thought you were feeling exactly. we are actually going to verify every single experience exactly i have no feeling from my finger i had an accident is it okay i had an accident a portal of sorts but one that you never leave recording from the entire end i was looking through not allowed to move he's not moving but his intentionality is being captured over there exactly we can really feel like we're here it feels like we're, we're really here it's obviously a tough place to get to now and a lot of people are really suffering with the aftermath of the hurricanes Absolutely lovely and just kind of cool to be able to go places you can't go. He's not moving. Shadows and echoes. What do you want? Can be of value. She's reaching in and just about to kiss me. (laughs) Because there'll be nothing out there anymore. (laughs) Or worse. Oh, that's the end of the demo. You good, man? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he's okay. I'm okay. You good, man? Yeah. What would you say if somebody got this on video?
Upload it.